0: Hello
1: everyone. It's so good to have you with us. It's August 11th and this is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam and I'm happy to serve as your reader and tour guide. My hope is that this podcast will assist you in the habit of giving ear to God's Word and to take in the full scope of his self-revelation in Scripture. May we all come to know him better. My prayer is that our time together will be edifying and that His Word will make an impression upon your hearts and mine. I am convinced that the Bible is truly a supernatural book written under the inspiration of the Spirit. It is inexhaustible in its treasure. Each day we gather truths and legitimate applications and insights that are pertinent to our lives, and the unity of the Scripture is something that I continually marvel at. Although there are sixty six books, it is truly one story with the person and work of the Christ at the center. It is truly a supernatural book written under the inspiration of the Spirit. Today we start the 16th book of the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah. This is a continuation of the scroll Ezra-Nehemiah, the scroll that records the history of the resettlement of the remnants that returned from Babylon to rebuild the altar, the temple, the city, and now in the book of Nehemiah to repair the walls of Jerusalem. So let's get started and step out on today's excursion from the one-year Bible starting with Nehemiah chapter 1. And as you are used to by now, this year I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Nehemiah chapter 1. Report from Jerusalem. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now what happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year as I was in Susa the citadel that Hanani, one of my brothers, Came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept, and mourned for days even i and my father's house have sinned we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant moses remember the word that you commanded your servant moses saying if you are unfaithful i will scatter you among the peoples but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven From there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen, to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name, and give success to your servant today, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king." Chapter 2 Nehemiah Sent to Judah In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live for ever, Why should not my face be sad, when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Nehemiah inspects Jerusalem's walls. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river, and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat the Hormonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, It displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night, by the valley gate, to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down, and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley, and inspected the wall; and I turned back, and entered by the valley gate, and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone, or what I was doing and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in? How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we his servants will arise and build but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Rebuilding the Wall Chapter 3 Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brothers the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to them the men of Jericho built, and next to them Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hasanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakoz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Barakaya, son of Meshezabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baana, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites, repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Joida, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the gate of Yashana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and next to them repaired Melatiah the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Maranothite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Harhiah, goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumaf, repaired opposite his house and next to him Hatush, the son of Hashabniah, repaired. Melchijah, the son of Harim, and Hashub, the son of Pahath-Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired, he and his daughters. Hanun and the inhabitants of Zanoah repaired the valley gate, they rebuilt it and set its door, its bolts, and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall, as far as the dung gate. Melchijah, the son of Herekab, ruler of the district of Beth-Hakarem, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And this concludes today's portion from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Now let's step back and reflect upon the significance of this story. The book of Nehemiah is a sequel to the book of Ezra. The book covers a period of approximately 25 years, from 445 B.C. to 420 B.C. Two main actions occur, the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem and the recommitment of the returning exiles to fulfill their covenant obligations to the Lord. It is the book that covers the last events in the Old Testament before the coming of the Messiah. In many ways it has instruction for us in the church age who await the second coming of the Christ. The book begins in the twentieth year of the Persian king Artaxerxes the First, in four hundred forty five b c. It is at this time that Nehemiah, the king's Jewish cupbearer, learns from Hanani, a Jewish brother, that the Jerusalem walls still lie in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah is grieved by this report and he mourned for days with prayer and fasting. Why does he weep? Jerusalem was revealed to be the city that would bear the Lord's name and be the Lord's holy habitation according to the will of God. What would distinguish it and make it recognizable to the outside world as you approached it would be its walls. Nehemiah is particularly upset that the walls are broken down, not only do the walls provide protection security and a platform for defense it is what those approaching from the outside see that sets it apart from its surroundings in this regard the walls of jerusalem speaks of the testimony of the city to the outside world you are the light of the world a city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden in matthew chapter 5 verse 14 The walls symbolized strength and peace. The spiritual condition of the city at this time can be understood by reading the book of Malachi. He intercedes for his people and confesses the sins of the nation. Why has it taken almost a century after the first remnant returned from captivity to put this city back together after it was ransacked by the Babylonians? Nehemiah reminds the Lord of his promise to Israel that he would regather his people and bring them to a place where his name will dwell, if they return to a spiritual posture of faithful obedience. What situation have you been made aware of that breaks your heart and provokes you to intercession? Nehemiah must have been a witness to the joy and contentedness that comes from knowing the Lord, for when his countenance changed to sadness, the king noticed it and inquired to know the reason— Nehemiah lets the king know of his burden for the ruined condition of his city, Jerusalem. Nehemiah by this time has a God-given burden to see God's purposes advance in the holy city of Jerusalem. He is not afraid to go before the king with a big ask. As Nehemiah makes conversation with the king, he is also in prayer with the king of kings. There is a three-way conversation that goes on. Nehemiah is silently talking to the Lord and listening to him, while he is speaking to his employer, the king of Persia. He makes a big ask. He asks the king to give him a leave of absence and deployment to Jerusalem to see the city rebuilt. This should encourage us not to be afraid to go to the Lord with a big ask when we know it is in accordance with His will. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. 1 John 5, verse 14. Nehemiah is a man of prayer. We have many references to his prayer life in this book, in chapter 2, verse 4, chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, chapter 5, verse 19, chapter 6, verse 14, and chapter 13, verses fourteen, twenty-two, twenty-nine, 22, 29, and 31. Nehemiah not only asked for time off work, but for letters from the king to the governors of the provinces to secure his safe passage. He also asked for Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, to give him timber to make beams for the city's fortress and the house to which he planned to dwell in. The king obliged, not only giving Nehemiah what he requested, but sending him with officers of the army and horsemen. For such divine favour Nehemiah gave glory to God, and the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Nehemiah chapter two verse eight. Nehemiah's forward movements in this mission were not without opposition, but when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Nehemiah chapter two verse ten. Nehemiah makes a careful surveillance of the city's condition when he arrives. Only after careful investigation and gaining factual first-hand knowledge does Nehemiah address the people. He defines the present reality, spells out the preferred future, and tells the people what should be done. This is a good example of leadership and effective vision casting. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? He's defining the present reality. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem. He tells them what should be done, that we may no longer suffer derision. He speaks of the preferred future. Sanballat and Tobiah, are busy mocking Nehemiah's efforts. Nehemiah lets them know that they have no business to tell them what to do, and they are to have no part in this work. Chapter 3 records how the rebuilding of the city walls was a team effort. Each one worked on the part of the wall that was close to their neighborhood. They had some skin in the game. They would be building the part of the wall that would be protecting their families. Underline the repetition of the phrase next to Him. These workers knew their co-workers, who they were working next to, and they worked as a team. The names of the workers are recorded, reminding us that our works, no matter how small, are not forgotten. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love you have shown for His name in serving the saints, as you still do. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 now let's move on to our next stop in our reading tour we go to the new testament paul's letter to the corinthians we're in chapter 7 reading verses 1 through 24 principles for marriage 1 corinthians chapter 7 now concerning the matters about which you wrote quote it is good for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman unquote but because of the temptation to sexual immorality each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer." but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved." God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision." Was anyone at that time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Paul is delivering important instruction on sex and marriage. The Corinthian culture was sexually promiscuous and immoral. Many had been involved with the temple prostitutes and perversions. The church members were confused and needed specific instruction. Some Greeks, rejecting the immoral culture around them, rejected sex and marriage altogether. The Corinthians wondered if they should do the same. Paul tells them to be content in the situation in which God has placed them. If you are married now, don't seek to be single. If you are single, recognize that as your blessed present state. Live with a view to pleasing God one day at a time, and He will show you what to do. Our next stop on our Bible reading tour today is the book of Psalms, and we're continuing to read from Psalm 31, verses 19 through 24. Oh, how abundant is your goodness! which you have stored up for those who fear you, and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men, you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for He has wondrously shown His steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. We sing the themes of verses 19 and 20. How great is your goodness, which you've stored up for those who fear you which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Verses 23 and 24 gives us instruction relevant to each day that we live. Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. And we go to our final stop now in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. God gives grace to the humble. Pride illuminates a path that leads to destruction. Let's conclude our time by going to the Lord together in prayer. Father, with you all things are possible. Thank you for encouraging us with the example of Nehemiah's faithful pursuit of your purposes in his generation. Our hearts break for the condition of our world and the need for your testimony to be magnified in the Church so all would see Jesus. We ask that you will provide all that is needed to repair and strengthen the relationships that your people have with you and with each other you have shielded us with your favor and we ask that you deal with all those enemies who would hinder the work you have called us to do in jesus name amen i love the book of nehemiah and i see its application in our lives as we need to see the testimony of christ in the body of christ built up so people would truly see his life on display as a city set upon a hill. I look forward to reading more tomorrow and hope that you can join with us. I trust we will gain more insights and learn how we can be working together with our brothers and sisters to see God's purposes accomplished in our generation. If you would like to know more about New Life and its ministries or you would like to get a written copy of our daily email commentary on the one-year Bible reading of the day, you can go to our website, newlife.org. And if you'd like to contact us, if you have any comments, prayer requests, or questions, you can write us an email at podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, may you be strengthened in your innermost being with the spirits unfolding of the sufficiency and strength of Christ as your new life. Shalom.